I will be reading Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. So hear now God's holy word. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray together. Father, you just, we just heard from First Peter that the tested genuineness of our faith is of greater value than gold. And that's what we desire to have, is genuine faith, steadfast faith. And Father, we thank you that you have given us these examples of the faith of Old Testament saints, that you put these examples before our eyes that we might learn from them. And we ask that you would do that again this morning as we look at all these examples here at the end of chapter 11. Would you instruct us? Would you help our faith to deepen and uh, be truly genuine? For we desire to honor you and adore you and give you glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have had the honor over the past month of officiating two weddings for couples that I love dearly. James and Michaela Reagan were married a few weeks ago, and this past Sunday, my son Caleb and his wife Autumn. And marriage is one of those wonderful life-changing events filled with hope and excitement for the life ahead that you'll be spending with the person that you love. And yet, with all that hope and excitement, why is it that so many marriages struggle to last? Caleb and Autumn have a wonderful heritage that they've inherited where all four sets of their grandparents have been married for over 50 years. And that is a very rare thing in our day and age. But why is that rare? Why, why is that unique? We could probably point to a lot of different reasons, but I think one key reason is because of the expectations that we have for marriage. We take vows for better, for worse, in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow. But the reality is, we expect marriage to be magical. We expect the better and the plenty and the joy. And for some reason, 
It's a rude and unexpected surprise when we face the worse or the want or the sorrow. And in a very real sense, faith in Jesus Christ is based on, has imports a lot of expectations. We, we create a lot of expectations for our God with respect to our faith. I mean, God makes some bold promises in his word. He says, uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give us all things? And we form expectations of what that must mean and how God will relate to us in our everyday lives. And yet our experience tells a story that is different from what our expectations are. Often our, our lives are much more like the words of the Psalms. How many are my foes, O Lord? Answer me. Where are you? Why, why are you so far from me? And our misplaced or our deficient expectations can result in confusion or disillusionment. In the book of Hebrews, you'll remember, it was given to us to teach us to endure in our faith. And throughout the Hebrews 11, we've seen these wonderful examples of, of these pillars of the Old Testament and what God did through them, these mighty works that he did through their faith. But when we come to this passage, we see good news and bad news. We see both sides of the coin. We see that this experience, that the outcome that we so desire from our faith isn't always realized in the here and now. What we see is that faith must endure in the best of circumstances and the worst of circumstances. And that's, that's what we need to hear today is that faith in Jesus Christ endures for better or for worse. So students, we have a solid faith. God's word is true. This is, this is truth. We have a solid faith. And hopefully by now you have grasped the reality of God's power and his powerful love for you. But what you need to understand is that the life of faith is not an easy one. And yet this difficult life of faith is the path to salvation. Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ is the way to salvation and glory. This is the truth, and this is the life worth living. We have a faith that is worth keeping. Now, our, our passage uh, today is kind of, uh, it, it's, we, we should see it as a summary of the rest of the Old Testament. We've seen a number of individual examples of men of faith, even Rahab, we saw her um, a few weeks ago, but this is, uh, we should see it as a, a, a summary, a list of, uh, of the rest of the Old Testament. We see um, four men from the book of Judges, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. Those were all judges. Then we see David and Samuel, um, who we see in the book of Samuel, which we have in our Bibles as First and Second Samuel, and then it mentions the prophets. And those would be individual prophets that we might see in the books of Samuel, Kings, or Chronicles, or, of course, 
the, the books that are named after prophets, the major prophets and, and the minor prophets. And what we'll see through this is that sometimes God, our, God works wonderful outcomes as a result of our faith. And sometimes God brings about difficult, very difficult outcomes as a result of our faith. And that's what we'll see as we proceed through this summary at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. So let's begin with the, the good news. That sometimes God does, in fact, bring about wonderful results or wonderful outcomes. Um, as he's going through these examples, he gives seven seven uh, good examples, positive examples of what, what this faith has worked out. Um, the first is uh, there in verse 33, God granted victory, uh, victory over enemies as a result of their faith. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms and they were made, this, they were made strong out of weakness they were made mighty in war, and they put foreign armies to flight. We saw that in the, in the book of Judges. The, the man Gideon, who's listed, conquered the Midianites with 300 soldiers. The man Barak, you see him in the story of Deborah and Barak. And Barak conquered the Canaanite army, uh, led by uh, Sisera, the commander of the army, he conquered the Canaanites. Students, you should know uh, the name Samson. He was the, the man who was mighty and physically strong. He was able to defeat the Philistines. He was the one who was strong as long as he had long hair, but the woman Delilah tricked him, and the Philistines cut off his hair, and he lost his strength, and yet the Lord brought victory at the end of the story, as he was chained up against the pillars of a large house, and the Lord gave him strength, and he pushed the pillars, and it crushed the house upon himself and upon the Philistines that were there. He gained victory over the Philistines. Jephthah is another prophet, or another judge, who um, gained victory over the Ammonites in his time. And of course, we know King David, the shepherd king, how he had defeated Goliath with a sling and a stone. He was, he was mighty in, in battle. There were songs sung about the victories over God's enemies through David. So there was victory in war. Next was these men enforced justice. Enforced justice. The judges, throughout the book of Judges, executed judge, justice over their people as they judged with God's wisdom but they also enforced justice as they delivered God's people from oppression in military conquests. Then the next is they obtained promises. King David received a promise from God that God would give him a legacy, a, a kingdom. David saw that by faith when Solomon was born. Solomon was placed on his throne. He saw that promise in part, but ultimately that promise was fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ, the son of David. The fourth thing it says is they stopped the mouths of lions. Now, kids, I probably, probably remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, who through faith, he was faithful to God. He was thrown in the lion's den, and God shut the mouth of the lions. He preserved 
Daniel's life by faith. And also in the book of Daniel is the next one. It says, um, who quenched the power of fire. Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And so they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And yet they were not consumed by the fire because by faith, they quenched the power of the fire. Let's see, the sixth was they escaped the edge of the sword, it says. David escaped the edge of the sword from Saul, who was pursuing him to kill him. Elijah was the prophet. He, he w- was pursued by Jezebel, but she was unable to kill him. Elisha, the prophet, after Elijah, was pursued by Jezebel's son, uh, Jehoram, and she was, or was not, or he was not killed by him. And Jeremiah, the prophet, escaped the edge of the sword from Jehoiakim. They escaped those who were pursuing after him. And then finally, the seventh, women received back their dead by resurrection. The book of Kings gives us two such examples. First Kings tells us that Elijah, the prophet, uh, God used him to resurrect a, a poor widow's son from the dead. And in 2 Kings, the prophet Elisha was used by God to resurrect a wealthy woman, Shunammite woman's child. And so, see these wonderful examples, these wonderful acts of God through the faith of these people. And isn't it true that that's, those are the results that we want from our faith. Those are the ways that we hope that God will work from us work through us. We want um, to prevail over our enemies. We want justice. We want justice enforced. We want uh, to escape the perils that we might have sickness or, I mean, in their case, lions, fires, death itself. There's a, we hold out hope that we'll receive that type of victory as a result of our faith. And yet experience tells us that uh, victory like that doesn't always come. That God doesn't always grant that type of victory in this life as a result of our, as an outcome of our faith. But praise God, God tells us that that is how he sometimes works. That there is at times, there is blessing in this life. And at other times, he withholds that blessing in this life. And yet, there is a wonderful outcome of the faith of these other saints. And that's where the text goes next, is showing these, the outcome of the faith, which was very difficult, even horrifying uh, results. And the rest of these examples aren't in our Old Testament, but they would have been familiar to the original audience. And let's, let's take a look at each of, each of these. So he said in verse 35, women received back their dead from resurrection, but then he says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release 
so that they might rise again to a better life. Some were tortured by faith. And when we, understand, when we hear that torture, that's, that's real torture, beloved. Uh, the, there's a reason to believe that the type of torture refers to torture on a piece of equipment called the rack, where they were extended and pulled by the limbs until tendons or muscles would rip or pop, or where the abdomen muscle was so tight and then they would beat on the abdomen until the muscle wall failed and then the internal organs were destroyed, literally beaten to death. That's what, actually what, the, what it says next in verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, literally beaten to death um, and mocking and chains and imprisonment. The prophet Jeremiah, well, we actually do see this in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was, uh, he was an unpopular prophet. He had God's word, which God had put into his mouth. And he came and proclaimed that God's judgment was coming. And so he was unpopular. And so they imprisoned him. They mocked him. They put him in the, in the stocks and they humiliated him. That was the outcome of his faith. In verse 37, then there were those who were stoned and sawn in two, and they were killed with the sword. Some uh, tradition, Jewish tradition held that Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, was stoned to death for his life of faith. The Jewish tradition also held that the prophet Isaiah was literally sawn in two, during the reign of evil king Manasseh. And they were killed with the sword. Prophet Elijah and others escaped the edge of the sword, but scripture also says that there were many who did not escape the edge of the sword. By faith, they were put to death. And then finally... They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. The early church understood that this was the life circumstance of the prophet Elijah, the prophet Elisha, and even the prophet Ezekiel, that they wandered about. Not only were they strangers and aliens, as we've heard about, um, but rejected, um, cast out of society, made destitute and afflicted and mistreated, and not only not found worthy to belong in this world, but also that the world itself was not worthy of them. And so we see these two very different lists of the outcome of their faith. And we can praise God that he gives us these examples. Because all the examples, good and bad, show us one thing. It shows us that every, all of them faced some kind of suffering or oppression that uh, regardless of the outcome, we can expect that the Christian life, a life of faith, is one that will be difficult, that will face trials of many kinds, as we just read from 1 Peter. 
Um, but also, the outcome of their faith also demonstrated a heroic victory, although victories of different kinds, victories of different kinds. Uh, Andrew Murray put it like this. He put it, put it well. He said, faith, genuine faith has a twofold victory. In one case, it conquers the enemy or the difficulty by securing its removal or destruction. And that's the outcome that we want. But in the other case, there is no deliverance from the trouble. And yet faith conquers in the power it receives to endure and to prove that its spirit is superior to all that men or devils can do. And that is a glorious victory as well, beloved. To be able to persevere to the end under such horrific circumstances as that. And beloved, that's, that is so incredibly important for us to understand. Because we have faced difficulties. We will face difficulties. It's part and parcel of the Christian life. And we want a certain outcome of our faith. We want to come to the Lord and we want deliverance now. We want him to take it all away, to make the wrongs right, right here and now. And God promises victory. It is a sure victory, but he doesn't promise that that victory will be now. And he doesn't promise the, the, the way, the manner of that victory. But he promises to be faithful. And he calls us to entrust ourselves to him. And these, these examples that the Lord has given to us are extreme compared to our examples. The saints of old faced torture and oppression like we have never seen. We've never seen by God's grace. Brothers and sisters in other parts of the world have experienced that. And yet, I'm not going to minimize our circumstances. God himself has appointed the circumstances that you and I live through and must endure. And he calls you and me to walk by faith with what he has given to us. And one, one commentator said, it would be an easy thing for God to take away our troubles. And that's, that's what we pray for. I mean, the Psalms even teach us to pray for that type of deliverance. And it would be an easy thing for God to do it. It's not like he's powerless to do it. But it's actually to our loss. It's actually to our loss. Because God, greater than making our lives easy, God wants our hearts and God teaches us through our trials and our difficulties and our oppressions to trust in him as our heavenly father. To entrust ourselves into him who judges justly. And it gives God an opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness to us in the midst of that difficulty. So brothers and sisters... 
Are you basing your faith? Are you grounding your faith on a certain outcome from God? Are what expectations have you put onto how God will act as a result of your faith? Or to put it another way, what circumstances in your life begin to make your life a little or your faith a little bit wobbly? and begin to be shaken. Is it, is it a, a, a desire for justice? There are, there are many of us who right now are longing for justice in significant situations, significant wrongs done in our lives or to those that we love. And God promises to be a God of justice. He promises to make all things right. But in this life, sometimes justice is slow. And sometimes it, it feels like a lack of justice. Or there, there's, justice is not being done. And God would have you trust in him that he will work his perfect justice in his perfect time when he says vengeance is mine i will repay he will make all things right can you trust in him for that or is it in provision i mean right now we are in turbulent financial times it certainly seems everything from you know the supermarket to the stock market to the housing market Everything seems to be in upheaval. God has promised that he will provide for us, that he knows all of our needs and he cares for us richly. That he said, Paul said explicitly, my God will provide all of your needs. Jesus said that your father knows exactly what you need. But is your heart doubting that? when you see the circumstances? Or can you trust that regardless of what happens in the economic climate, that God will provide every one of your needs? Or, or is it the circumstances of your own heart and that stubborn sin that is there and just won't go away? God has said that in Christ Jesus, he is making us like Christ. He is, by his spirit, is causing us to put to death our sins and to put on righteousness, and we long for that. And, but he also says that even coming to Christ will continue to struggle with certain sins, and the more we draw closer to Christ, the more we will hate those sins in our heart, and that sometimes they're stubborn, and we can't let go, and we can doubt, is the spirit really at work in my heart? Is he really bringing that about? Can you trust him even when you have that stubbornness of that blackness and trust that Christ will truly save you and that you can walk by faith to the end? Beloved, our God desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you and to me. And he does demonstrate his faithfulness time and again. I'm sure you can look back to your own life and you can 
point to specific examples where God has demonstrated his faithfulness to you when you didn't expect it. But the, the greatest example which we must always turn to, beloved, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ faced the, the absolute worst of circumstances. He was unjustly persecuted. He, he was tortured. He was mocked and beaten and stripped and crucified. And he remained faithful unto death. And he was able to do so because he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He relied on the faithfulness of our God. And he pursued the cross. He, as it says, refused to accept release so that he might rise again to a better life. His faith was heroic, beloved, because it was faithful unto the end. And God was faithful. God was faithful because of his faith and God's faithfulness we have surety of our victory in him. He pursued the cross and God raised him from the dead. And he's a, he seated him at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly places. That's our proof of God's faithfulness. We must look to that. God put these things on display for us so that we know that our faith is grounded and secure. God promises to be faithful to us, and that's how he showed us that. Well, back to our, our chapter 11. When we get to verse 39, it's like our author just wants to tie a bow on all these examples throughout all of Hebrews chapter 11. And he says, And all these, from Abel on, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. All these people, with all this heroic faith from beginning to end, they didn't receive what was promised. And he says, but, but because God had provided something better for us. So what is that better thing? Well, it's not the circumstances. Because we know that we suffer, we struggle, we're, we face oppression in, in our circumstances. That's, that's not it. We, and it's not that we don't have to walk by faith. Faith is still a challenge. It's still difficult for us. We still have to walk by faith, even as they had to walk by faith. But it's in this, they did not receive what was promised. But we have. Because all the things that they were able to do through faith, all the things that the Lord did were based solely on the promises. But we have Christ. We have the thing promised. They endured, but they never received they were able to conquer and endure on promise alone. And yes, Noah was saved from a watery 
flood and Moses was saved from an Egyptian king and they were able to conquer Jericho, but they knew that those things were mere promises of the ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. And we have been given that gift. We have the blessing of being able to receive this. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has lived. We have a champion who has defeated the power of death. We have the pioneer of our faith who has blazed a trail into glory. We have a a high priest who became like us so he understands your suffering and my suffering. And we have a high priest who made the final and perfect sacrifice to reconcile us to God. We have a high priest who now sits in God's presence and intercedes for us, is praying for those things that are on your heart and on my heart, that God would grant that victory and perseverance unto the end. And we have a king who rules and reigns now and will bring us to glory. We have those things. We see through the eyes of faith, what God has given to us. And it's as if the author of Hebrews is saying, brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters in the Old Testament stood firm in their faith, having not received this thing, but you have Christ. How can, you, how can we not much more stand firm in our faith? Jesus Christ is presented for us glorious and victorious, Stand firm because he is yours. We have the surety of God's faithfulness. We must stand firm and trust in him. And beloved, our, our author says, you know, and what more shall I say? He, he runs out of time with all of his examples. What more shall I say? And in response to that, we should hear what the Apostle Paul said to these things. He said, well, what, sh- what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, that is your God. That is the God who has secured you by his love 
He has shown you his, his son whom he has given for you to secure you forever and ever. Nothing, nothing will ever, can ever separate you from the love of God. Through faith, beloved, you and I, we are more than conquerors. Through faith, God will grant that victory in Christ Jesus. Walk by faith. Trust the faithfulness of God for better or for worse because God is truly faithful. Praise be to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you remind us of how sure your promises are and how sure your faithfulness is to us. Forgive us for our our feeble faith, but thank you that you strengthen our faith. Help it to be genuine, not shallow, but deep. Help us to trust you even when it is difficult, even when we don't see your deliverance. Help us to always remember your faithfulness to Christ and how we have victory in him. May your spirit work that faith in us. Work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. Help us to walk by faith. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.